Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today is the third installment of our 100th episode celebration where I'm taking some of the best podcast episodes from the past, summarizing them, maybe adding different twists and putting them all together into different buckets. So today we're going to talk about body composition. I've talked a lot on the podcast and also a little bit on social media about my own journey with body recomposition over the last year. So I gained about five pounds of muscle and I also lost a little bit of fat over a one year period. And I truly believe that I did this in a healthy, sustainable way. I didn't under eat and I really tried to make sure I was eating enough food, especially enough protein. I got a lot of awareness around what I was eating and when and making sure I was eating enough Restriction does not work for me. I definitely have been there where I was overeating during the week, over exercising, and then on the weekends I would just like binge. And then I would turn around on Monday and try to punish myself by adding more exercise and under eating. And again, I would get to the weekend and I'd just be starving and I would just eat everything. So honestly, it just does not work for me. And I also want to live my life. We travel a lot and I love to go out to eat. I love ice cream and margaritas, and I just honestly feel like I'm in such a better space around food than I was, you know, five years ago when I was really in that pattern of restricting, over exercising, under eating, and then kind of binging on the weekends. I also don't over exercise, and this is something that, again, is really important to me because I've been there with doing way too much and having all this chronic pain and having all these issues from over exercising. So I just feel like I'm in such a good place. I feel like I've learned so much about this and I feel like my routine is so sustainable and feels good. And this is what I want to help teach you all. I I am far from perfect, but I will say that I am consistent. And I think that that is the most important thing. Yes. On the weekends, again, I eat the fun foods, especially when we travel Yes, not every single workout is perfect. If you take my classes, you know that some weeks I'm feeling like meh, and I'll say that. I'll be like, I'm not feeling super strong today. It wasn't my best, and I'm not necessarily hitting PRs, and then some weeks I'm feeling super strong, and I'll say that too. I'm like, yes, I'm feeling so strong, feeling so good. So consistency is the most important piece, and in order to be consistent, you have to be balanced with yourself. You cannot fall into the extremes. Otherwise, your body will end up burning out. So I'm also very open about saying Yes, I gained muscle from my workouts, but nutrition is also a huge piece of this. If I didn't dial my nutrition and eat more protein, I would not have been able to gain the muscle. And I also think it's important to say that the fat loss was not from my workouts. The fat loss was from the change of my in my nutrition, and it wasn't significant fat loss. I didn't have the goal of fat loss. I had the goal of gaining muscle, but when I changed my nutrition, that was kind of a side effect of that. So before I start this episode, I just want to encourage you that you know, sometimes your healthiest body is not your thinnest body. And I think that we need to hear this message from leaders over and over. Your healthiest body might not be the body that is lightest on the scale. It is such a balance between having fitness goals and also not working against yourself, having fitness goals that coincide with your health goals, because you can have both. You can have aesthetic goals. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think that that needs to be demonized, but how can we have our aesthetic goals that fit in with also our health goals so that we're not working against ourselves? Every step of the way, I try to give you tools that, you know, help you self-assess. Hey, am I doing too much? Am I going too hard? Am I not recovering? Which is an indication that you might be working against yourself, maybe not even on purpose. I've had tons of podcast guests come on to talk about nutrition and 
to encourage you to fuel properly. And I think I've tried to have every single guest who comes on talking about nutrition in a way that reflects how I feel about exercise. So in a way that's not going to be over restrictive or unsustainable, or just talking about calories. And I, I just really try to give you lots and lots of resources so that you can always be assessing, Hey, is this routine working for me or is this working against me? So I am going to be talking about body recomposition. We're going to be talking about the aesthetic side a little bit in this episode. I don't think there's anything wrong with having aesthetic goals, but if you're someone that you think you have a hard time drawing healthy boundaries around exercise and food, and maybe you've leaned too heavily into the aesthetic side against yourself, I would really encourage you to maybe talk with someone, make sure that your mind is in the right places around exercise and food. I think that it can't hurt if you think, huh, maybe I should talk to somebody about this. I think it's totally worth leaning into that and exploring that a little bit. And maybe you might consider skipping this episode and just focusing on non-aesthetic goals, like, you know, improving stress, feeling good, reducing your burnout, moving your body, maybe even improving the way your joints function and feel getting stronger. All of those things maybe is what you might focus on instead. Okay. So I just wanted to talk about that before we got into today's episode again, because I don't want y'all to think this is all about aesthetics, but at the same time, it's a reality for a lot of us that we want to look good and feel good. So I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about it either. Okay. So we're going to start with episode number 70. Episode number 70 was called toning and tightening workouts. What are they and what are they not doing for your body? So I wanted to start with this episode because toning, quote unquote, toning and tightening is basically body recomposition, which means losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time, or losing fat and be able to see the existing muscle underneath. So in this episode, we'll talk about what toning means and where it comes from and the role that exercise has in achieving this quote unquote toned aesthetic. I so often hear, I don't want to gain muscle. I don't want to strength train. I don't want to bulk up. I just want to tone up. Can your program help me do that? I think there's lots of misconceptions in that common question. And the fitness industry will commonly promise that this workout routine will tone you up or this workout routine will give you that tighter body or like tighten up your butt or whatever it might be. But what is really happening to provide that toned aesthetic? Is it the workout alone? Toning is, it's so interesting, is actually a made up word in the fitness industry And you will not really find the word toning or toned in the same context in the academic literature. Like if you were to look up toning, there's not much that would come up in the academic literature. So it's a marketing term that was made up by the fitness industry to sell you their workouts. So for me, that's always kind of been the first red flag of this term or of this word. And one of the reasons why I don't use it a lot when we're talking about our workouts is because it is a word that was used to sell to women who were afraid of the term gaining muscle. They were afraid historically that if you sold them a workout that promised they would gain muscle, that they would look like a man. So this is just all marketing speak. And it, it, I think that we all can agree like what toning actually means. It means losing fat and gaining muscle or being able to see more defined muscles. And that's fine. But I just think that this toning thing has always kind of bothered me. (laughs) And I think it's just because it just seems sort of predatory and like yucky to me. I don't know. And that's okay if you disagree, but that's just my take on it. And what's interesting is exercise is not very effective for fat loss, but the industry has been selling us on the idea that exercise is what will make you lose weight. 
I came across an article that had a really interesting take. It talks about how even the U.S. government releases campaigns that overpromise weight loss with exercise. I think that's super interesting, right? And the marketing is less about nutrition with weight loss and more about how you're exercising. I think exercising can help you maintain weight loss. Exercising can help weight loss in the sense that if you're building muscle, you can improve your insulin sensitivity, improve your glucose regulation, um, improve your energy levels, all things which can contribute to weight loss, but the act of exercising is not super significant for fat loss. But many times toning workouts are these high rep, low load types of workouts. Traditionally, that's what they've been marketed as. So think like Pilates or bar workouts or reformer or anything where you're like doing lots of reps and low load. They're generally lower heart rate workouts like Pilates workouts as well. Not always. There's lots of different kind of flavors to these toning type of workouts. The idea is that these workouts would tone, quote unquote, your body. And this has a logical reasoning, but it's not, it's a little bit off. So a lot of times these exercises that are low load, high rep are low intensity, which burns fat rather than glycogen. They're also targeting muscles at the same time. So they are quote burning fat because they're at that lower intensity zone. And they're also quote unquote toning muscles. So it seems logical that they would make you look leaner and more defined, but let's talk about why this messaging isn't quite accurate and potentially misleading. Toning essentially means losing fat and gaining muscle or losing fat and being able to see the existing muscle underneath that you already have. I've talked pretty extensively about exercises role in fat loss, and I even talked a bit about it in last week's episode on cardio, but just to summarize, exercise is a very small and fairly insignificant contributor to fat loss. In other words, the workouts themselves are not likely to result in significant fat loss for several reasons. Number one, if you increase your activity, you may burn more fat or weight or calories in the beginning. And once your body gets used to that new routine, you start to burn much less, if any fat. And this is due to the constrained total energy expenditure model. And this is again, something that I touched on in a little more detail in last week's episode. Therefore your workouts aren't really leading to a significant calorie deficit by just working out harder. So that's number one. Number two, seeing exercises, fat burning instead of muscle building can really set you up for long-term issues. If you're trying to burn fat, you may focus on burning calorie or calories or doing a bunch of cardio or choosing the hardest workouts, not necessarily the smartest workouts. And you might not be giving your muscles enough stimulus to grow them because unless we do something about it, we lose muscle as we age and muscle is one of the most important metabolic tissues that we have. It's truly like a way to age in reverse by focusing on gaining muscle. Building muscle is one of the best long-term solutions for fat loss. And it's not the workout itself. It's the idea that having more muscle mass, having more overall mass keeps your insulin sensitivity high, keeps your glucose regulation good and healthy so that your body is able to utilize fat as fuel. And then number three, these toning type of workouts promise that you'll like tone up your thighs or like tone up a certain area, specific area, tone up your arms, tighten up your butt. Again, I think that this marketing is misleading because if toning your, let's say underarms, for example, your arms is losing fat and gaining muscle there, a workout alone will not achieve that because fat loss happens systemically across your whole body, meaning that you can't spot treat fat by doing more lunges, let's say to like 
tighten up your booty. So although you may gain muscle in that area for sure, and lunges can be great for that, that toned or tightened aesthetic comes from also losing fat, which comes down to your nutrition more than your workouts. So workouts aren't great for fat loss. What is again, nutrition. I've said this over and over. I will continue to say this. I won't get into fat loss from a nutrition standpoint, since that's not my formal education, but it is so much more about how you're eating than how you're moving. Now I'm not saying don't exercise and don't move a lot, just the opposite. I think that we need to be moving our bodies. We're generally pretty stationary as a society. So we want to be moving in healthy ways, but this is why these marketing tactics are so misleading. They'll show like a lean and defined fitness model doing their workouts in order to sell their workouts, but they aren't talking about the fact that many of those same fitness influencers have crazy diets or, you know, they're barely eating any calories a day, or they're working out for three hours a day, or they're spending a bunch of money and time on body work, like physical therapists and chiropractors and massage therapists to kind of patch them up from the kind of abuse that they're putting their bodies through in their fitness routines. So not only that, but so many fitness influencers get into fitness because they have not a naturally great response to exercise or they're naturally lean and fit. So they're good at it. In other words, their genetic inclination is very much contributing to their aesthetic. Again, I think that it's not all about genetics for sure. We have so much power in changing our body in improving our bodies, but Just remember that that might be at play. These types of people might have gravitated towards exercising because they were good at it or they looked good doing it. And that kind of led them to creating a lifestyle around exercise, which further endorsed their ability for their body to look a certain way. So even if you were eating exactly the same and training exactly the same as somebody else out there, odds are your body is going to respond in a different way. And again, this is not to discourage you. It's just to encourage you to tinker with these things for yourself, to find a routine that feels good without wearing you down, to tinker with nutrition a little bit, to figure out, okay, what can I eat? That's going to fuel me in a good way. That makes me feel energized. Doesn't deplete me is making me see results for my workouts. All of these things are really important. So genetics, stress levels, ability to tolerate high training loads, how you can recover, how much time you have to dedicate to your workout, what you want your social life to be like. Do you travel? Do you like to go out to eat? Do you drink alcohol sometimes on the weekends? All of these things are going to play into how your body responds to a certain training program. So I think that I just like to say that because I think these routines alone are often not what's going to give you the aesthetic that you're looking for, unless you are considering all of those other factors. It has to be combined. Your workouts have to be combined with nutrition changes and lifestyle changes and stress. If you ultimately want body recomposition. So just to summarize, I think using any workout to quote unquote tone is kind of misleading in the wrong way to view exercise in my opinion. So beware of any workout that promises that the workout alone will give you a certain aesthetic. It's always a combination of your lifestyle, a little bit of your genetics, your stress levels, your environment, your training load, and your nutrition. 
this is just one of the reasons why we're always saying that Evlo is not a weight loss program because I think that saying any fitness program is a weight loss program is misleading since nutrition is such a bigger factor for weight loss. If gaining muscle and losing fat is your goal, which ultimately results in that quote unquote toned or defined look, focus on hypertrophy, focus on muscle growth, which I'm going to get into in just a moment and nutrition. Okay. So I got off track a little bit on that, but I just am kind of passionate about this because I think that the more we can educate ourselves about our unique bodies and how our unique bodies respond will truly be the biggest driver for sustainable change and sustainable change that will ultimately allow us to reach our goals. So I think one of the best things I ever did for my fitness and ultimately resulted in the most fit body I've ever had over the past few years is from digging into the science and working out smarter, not harder. Okay. So that's episode number 70 about toning or tightening and really what is happening. The next episode I'm going to go into is number 77, which is called body recomposition. This was a very popular episode, I think because of the title. However, I think that it was also helpful for people because it gave them succinct information. So I'm excited to go over this again. Essentially body recomposition is losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time. So it's that toned aesthetic that I was just talking about. This process of body recomposition involves a balance between food, exercise, and recovery, and is truly a slower process than just trying to lose fat or just trying to gain muscle. So body recomposition doing both at the same time is generally a little bit of a slower process. But I like that it's a slower process because when we're in a rush, we often don't make choices that we can sustain. If we're in a rush to like lose fat, we're more likely to undereat, restrict your food, which often will have a rebounding effect, right? Where we go back and we end up eating more and then we potentially gain the weight back and some. So I love the idea of taking our time. I always say that we have the rest of our lives to exercise, so let's not rush it. Genetics in your training will play a part in your ability to body recomposition. So if you're someone who loses fat easily, you may have an easier time with body recomposition. If you're training correctly and eating enough protein, you may have a harder time if you're someone who struggles to lose fat and or gain muscle, even when you're focused on nutrition. And this is okay. Again, it's just something to continue to tinker with until you feel like you found what works. Your training level is also going to play a role in how easily you body recomp. If you're new to training, or if you have a greater percentage of body fat, it's generally easier to body recomp when you add resistance training and focus on nutrition. If you're someone that's been training for a while, you've been in the habit of exercising, it may take you a bit longer, but again, definitely not impossible. It's something that I did myself over the last year. And I think I'm proof that it's, it's not impossible just when you add a little bit more focus to your routine. Okay. So if body recomposition is about combining nutrition, training, and recovery, we're going to talk about all three of those today. So let's first talk about nutrition and then we'll get into training and recovery. I always say that I am not an expert in nutrition. I'm not formally trained in nutrition. I like to stay in my lane and there's so much nuance to nutrition. That's ultimately why I try to avoid giving advice because I'm like, there is so much freaking nuance to this. And I would rather be an expert in something before I started talking about it. There's a ton of new research coming out about nutrition, especially with female physiology. So I don't want to give a ton of guidance, but I'll just talk about what I've gathered from my own experience and what, from what I've read from the experts. One thing I think it's important to point out that I've definitely gathered from all the experts that I've talked to on nutrition is that 
Sometimes you have to take a step back and not worry about weight loss or fat loss or body composition recomposition and solve some underlying issues. Like if you have hormonal issues or gut issues, improving your stress levels, all of those things are important to tackle before you think about body recomposition. Cause a lot of times body recomposition will happen a lot easier when you solve those underlying issues. Dare I say body recomposition might come relatively effortlessly if you are solving some of the underlying issues. So if you're someone who's been trying to body recomp, maybe that you listened to this episode when I released it, however many months ago, and you've been making the changes and you're struggling and you feel like you're doing all the quote unquote right things and you're tinkering, you're still not seeing changes could be worth seeing a physician or a dietitian who can evaluate you, do some tests and see if there's anything underlying happening. So that's that. Building muscle requires that you have more protein synthesis than protein degradation. I always say that word wrong, degradation, in order to build muscle. So in other words, the protein synthesis, the protein build up has to be more than the protein breakdown. So you break down muscle tissue in your workouts, protein degradation, and you build up muscle with nutrition and recovery or protein synthesis. That is why... This body recomposition is a truly three-pronged approach, and you can't really have one without the other. You have to have all three. So the nutrition piece is for the fat loss because of your slight calorie deficit. And the nutrition piece is also for the muscle build because of your macronutrient density or because of the amount of protein that you're eating. So the training is for the breakdown. The training is for breakdown, not build up. This is why training too much is not effective because you are not having a balance of the breakdown and the build up. You're just breaking down, breaking down, breaking down, not allowing your body to recover and build it back up. This is why you can spin your wheels if you're doing too much. And I think that's important to get clear because training is not for the fat loss or the muscle build. Training is for the breakdown. The nutrition and recovery piece is for the fat loss and the muscle build. So there are nutrition programs in the Evo membership that will give a much deeper detail into these things. I recommend watching them all, but particularly watching the macros program for this topic. There's also in the show notes below a free workshop that I did where we talk about calculating this stuff and I walk you through it a little in a little bit more detail. So if you want to grab that, that is in the show notes below. It's free. But from a high level for body recomposition, you want calories slightly below your maintenance level or at your maintenance level and protein high. And I hear all the time from people who say, well, I'm eating clean. I don't understand why I'm not losing weight. I'm eating really healthy whole foods. Unfortunately, you can still eat in a calorie surplus, even if you're eating clean. If you think about it, if you're eating more calories than you are expending, than your total daily energy expenditure, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, you might have weight gain or maintenance. So although eating clean and whole foods is awesome, if body recomposition is your goal, you might be overeating if you're not taking a look at how many calories that you're eating. So in order to figure out calories, you want to find your total daily energy expenditure, which I'll go over with you in the workshop in the show notes. Like I said, once you have your TDEE, you want to take off a small amount of calories to be in a calorie deficit. However, what I recommend in this workshop, because I have heard other dietitians, including Catherine recommend this again, this is not coming from me, but from what I've heard from the experts, they recommend that if you are adding Evlo or other hypertrophy based routines, 
you may start at maintenance calories and see how that goes before you go into a cut. Because if you cut your calories too low, you run the risk of number one, rebounding because you get starving and you're not eating enough. And then number two, you run the risk of losing muscle because you're not eating enough, which can decrease your total daily energy expenditure and make that maintenance even more challenging. Okay. So for body recomposition, as far as nutrition, you might be in a tiny, tiny calorie deficit, maybe hundred, 200 calories or at your maintenance. I ate at my maintenance and I saw body recomposition might not be everyone's experience, but you could start there and really focus on protein because again, protein is where you build the muscle. You have to have the amino acids to, to replace the breakdown that's happening in your training. So from what a lot of the experts recommend, you want to have around 0.75 to one grams of protein per pound of ideal body weight. So let's say your ideal body weight is 130 pounds or whatever it might be for your height. that's appropriate for you. 0.75 to one gram. So you could shoot for 130 grams of protein per day. I've heard different opinions on that number, but that seems to be kind of generally what I've heard from a lot of the experts. I personally shoot for one gram of protein per pound of my body weight per day. And that has worked really well for me because some days I hit that and some days I fall short of that. It's not perfect, but I find that the average ends up being enough. I end up kind of being in that 0.75 to one gram if I shoot for that higher end of trying to get one gram of protein. So let's talk next about tracking. I know tracking food gets a bad reputation and it is not for everyone. I also think that you can track without being disordered. I think that you can have a healthy relationship with it. I personally loosely track my protein with my fitness pal, which is an app. And I think I do have to pay for the premium version in order to see macro content. I do believe I pay for that, but for me, it's worth it. I personally feel like I have a good relationship about it. Some days I track some days I don't. I feel like now I'm at the point where I can kind of know how much protein I'm eating based on how I feel. And also just based on the food that I'm eating. So like today, for instance, it's a Monday. I didn't track. I just didn't feel like it. I didn't have time. It's a crazy day. I didn't track. I also don't obsess about it. I see it as a tool to make sure that I'm getting enough. And it's been an incredibly effective tool for me because it's given me so much more awareness around food and macros. Because when I first started tracking my food earlier this year, I noticed that I was getting half the amount of protein that I was supposed to be getting. So it made sense as to why I was strength training. I didn't change hardly anything about my fitness when I started this body recomposition journey. And yet I gained more muscle just by changing my nutrition. And it makes sense. I was eating only half the amount of protein that I should have been eating. I'll talk a little bit about my personal insights at the end, but if you've never tracked and you have no idea how many grams of protein that you're eating a day, you might just try it and see how much you're getting, get some awareness around the food that you are eating. The macros program will also give you options for tracking both with numbers and without numbers. Again, not everyone likes to log things and Catherine gives you a great tool. If you hate logging things to just kind of eyeball it, um, if that might feel like a more sustainable tool for you, she also gives fat and carb recommendations, but in general, staying in that small calorie deficit and really focusing on hitting enough protein is going to be kind of the best practice and your carbs and fat might might kind of fall into place. I don't personally track my carbs and fat. I just look for my maintenance calories and then trying to hit a protein goal. And that ends up working really well for me. Okay. So that's nutrition. Super important. Let's next talk about training. 
I want you to transition your mindset from training being about fat loss to training being about muscle. More muscle is going to increase your metabolism, increase your insulin sensitivity, your bone density, your overall health, and make you feel so much better than slamming your body into the ground, thinking that your workouts need to burn a bunch of fat or significantly contribute to your calorie deficit. I truly do care about all of your health, your overall health. And because of that, I'm going to encourage you to progress slowly, not be in a rush. Study after study have shown that these quick fixes eventually backfire. If you've ever watched The Biggest Loser, a lot of times you won't see a reunion of that show. <laughs> it's because they over-restrict, they do way too much exercise, they leave the show, and yes, they've lost a ton of weight, but they're not able to sustain those changes and they end up rebounding. Because cutting calories and doing a bunch of cardio and not focusing enough on strength training and building muscle can put you in this downward spiral that I talk about all the time. You lose muscle because you aren't training properly while you're in that calorie deficit. Your metabolism decreases and you have to eat fewer calories just to maintain. So focusing on the muscle fatigue over the calorie burn is going to have the opposite effect and can put you on that upward spiral where you have more freedom with food and you don't feel like you have to diet and restrict your whole life. So that mindset shift is key. And this doesn't mean that you don't add cardio. Again, I talked about cardio in last week's episode and how to add it into your routine in an appropriate but effective way. So that's training. We want to focus on building muscle, not necessarily burning fat or burning calories. Building muscle is also called hypertrophy. How do you build muscle? A few things are important, and this is where we get into the next episode, which I'm going to actually go back to episode number 39, which is the five basics for building muscle. Most people are not following these five basics. So let's go over them really quickly. The first is programming. You want to make sure that you are working each muscle group without overworking them. Because remember, exercise is that catabolic stimulus, that breakdown. If you are breaking down, breaking down, breaking down, your body doesn't get the opportunity to build back up. So we don't want to work every single muscle group every single day. I like to say, work the major muscle groups one, two-ish times per week on non-consecutive days. And we'll get into volume and how many sets you need to do here in a moment and on a different episode recap towards the end. So you can split this into three full body workouts, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's what we have an option for that on the membership, or you can do less muscle groups more frequently, like four to five times a week. I personally do five strength workouts a week and I just kind of split it up. So my workouts are a bit shorter. So programming is very important. You want to make sure that you're working muscles enough, but not too much. The second basic for muscle hypertrophy and results is exercise selection. For hypertrophy, working one muscle group at a time rather than lots of combination moves or compound moves is the best in my opinion. And there will be endless arguments about, oh no, you should only do compound moves. No, you should only do quote unquote isolation moves. You should do a combo of both. Here's my take. Compound exercises have their place and absolutely can give results, but I am partial to more targeted exercises. I am biased to more targeted exercises, but I like my reasons for it. And I'll explain why. I think they're less stress through surrounding joints and they're more specific load to the muscles that you're trying to grow. We hear over and over from our members who have come from other strength training programs where they were doing lots of combination moves or lots of compound lifts that they see the same results or better results and they feel a lot better. So let's take an example. We tend to do step-ups over squats. Step-ups are more forced to the glute with less weight. 
And that's because of the mechanics of the exercise. So you can place less stress through the spine and more specific loading to the glutes. Again, that's just an example, but that's one that we, that's a swap that we'll do instead of squats, we'll do step ups. So exercise selection is the second basic and you want to choose exercises in my opinion that target one area or a few areas at a time instead of trying to target your entire body using one exercise generally less is more when it comes to muscle hypertrophy so if you can focus on one muscle group at a time really get that muscle group close to failure and then move on that tends to be the best not only for muscle hypertrophy but also for keeping your joints happy so the third basic for muscle growth is progressive overload. Very important. You want to slowly add more resistance or more volume as that muscle gets stronger. You also want to get close to failure in almost every set. This means that you're struggling and the muscle is really talking to you by the end of your set. So getting close to failure, this is a question I've gotten a lot lately. Like, what does that mean? How do I know? Failure, it means that you cannot complete another rep with good form. You could maybe complete another rep by compensating or kind of faking it or cheating or whatever, but you could not complete another rep with good form. Studies show that you don't have to get all the way to that point, but you want to get pretty close, like maybe three or four reps shy of that failure point. So for me, what that looks like is Maybe you feel like you're really struggling. Your pace slows down. You can't go at the same cadence. You might feel like you almost get stuck halfway. You're like, and then you have to like almost use a little momentum towards the end, which is an indication that, okay, we're probably, you're probably there. You can probably be done. So we want to make sure that your last rep looks like your first rep. Um, but you still want that last rep that you do to be pretty dang challenging muscle growth actually comes from those last few reps a lot of times. So we want to make sure that we're getting close to that muscular failure in our classes. How we'll cue it a lot is we will count down and we do exercises together, but I always encourage you like, Hey, if you're not quite to that muscle or close to that muscle failure point, just let the video play, continue to take a few more reps until you get close to that point. And then vice versa, if you're like, okay, we're halfway through the exercise and you are already at muscle muscle failure or close to that, you can stop the set early. So you can kind of tailor it to make it work for you. I always say, I want our classes to feel like a personal training session. I want them to feel like they are exactly what your body needs and progressive overload is going to be individual for each person. So those are some tools for you to make sure that you are stimulating the muscle enough. The fourth basic is nutrition, which we already briefly talked about. And then finally recovery. Again, recovery is that third prong of this three pronged approach for body recomposition. You have to make sure you're sleeping enough, focusing on your mental, emotional health, because emotional and physical health affects the body. It affects how your body will respond to exercise. Emotional stress, believe it or not, can affect your results. And I know that seems woo woo, but it's truly not. If you're overstressed, this can increase catabolic processes or the breakdown in your body, and you may not build muscle as easily. So this is a huge consideration. Managing that emotional stress is major. I am someone who will always, always make sure I'm a champion for getting your mental health under control. I get coaching twice a week. And although it's like not the same as therapy, it's similar to therapy in the sense that they help me organize my brain. They help me manage my stress. They help me improve my emotional health, all of those things. So huge, big proponent of improving your emotional 
stress, improving your mental health. Recovery is one of those things that's not super sexy, but can be the missing piece for a lot of people. So if you're hitting your training, like, yeah, I'm doing all the things in my workouts and I'm still not seeing results. I am programming so that I'm not overusing my muscle groups, but I'm working them enough. And again, we're going to talk about volume here in a moment. I'm getting close to that failure point in every set, but I'm still not seeing progress. I'm I'm eating properly. I'm honing my nutrition. It may be due to your recovery. Maybe you're not sleeping enough. Maybe you're not able to manage emotional stress. So tinkering with those things before you go adding a bunch more volume or a bunch more exercise would be my recommendation because I think you're going to see a lot better results. So those are the five basics. I'll go over them real quick again. So programming is number one. Make sure that you're working muscles enough, but not too much. Exercise selection is number two. I really prefer to focus on one muscle group at a time and do more targeted exercises. But again, exercise selection, there's lots of debate over what is best or what is quote unquote optimal. Ultimately, I have my opinions and I think I have good reasons for that. Number three is progressive overload, making sure that you're getting close to that failure point within every single exercise. Number four is nutrition, making sure that you're eating enough protein. Again, 0.75 to one gram of protein per ideal pound of body weight. And you can be at around that maintenance calorie. You're, um, you have to calculate your TDEE your total daily energy expenditure, or you can be slightly below that TDEE really, really slightly below. And then making sure that you're recovering properly and that you're managing stress. So that's how to eat, train and recover for body recomposition. And like I said, it's a slow process. You may expect to see minor changes within a month. Again, I really want to sell you on this slow progress, but I gave myself an entire year to body recomposition and I'm so glad I did because now I'm able to sustain it. So give yourself a nice long runway so that you can see what's working, see what's not working and adjust. So that's how you body recomposition. How do you measure if you are seeing changes? The most reliable way to measure your body composition is getting a DEXA scan. And there are businesses that are doing this now in a more affordable way. Sometimes you can ask your doctor and there will be imaging clinics that do DEXA scans. So just have to do some research wherever you live, but, um, you can search for a DEXA scan in your area and get a DEXA scan. You could get one like every year or every quarter to kind of measure your progress. What I don't recommend doing, and I talked about this even more in the workshop is I don't recommend looking at the fat content. I honestly think that if you're going to get a DEXA scan that can really throw you off. And I want you to focus on the muscle piece. I'm just going to say that if you don't want to get a DEXA scan or there's not an affordable one in your area, you can also measure by strength increases. And again, I go over this in the workshop, but strength and hypertrophy are generally closely linked. So if you're gaining strength and you're able to lift heavier over a period of like three months, you're likely gaining muscle. Remember that muscle gain can happen relatively quickly in newbies, but in general, hypertrophy or muscle growth happens about eight to 12 weeks of consistent lifting. So be patient with it. If you're not seeing huge changes within a couple of weeks, that's totally to be expected. Again, that hypertrophy or that muscle building will definitely start to happen within that eight to 12 weeks. If you are eating properly and getting close to that muscle failure, all the things I talked about earlier. So workshop is linked in the show notes. I'll talk I talk more about how to measure your results and we actually give you a strength tracker in that workshop. So if you want to check that out, notice how I didn't say anything about a scale because technically I have gained weight, even though I've lost body fat and gained muscle and my body, my body looks different. My body composition is different. 
but technically I've gained weight since I have gained muscle. So I don't recommend using a scale. I think that that can throw you off and mess with your head a little bit. Because again, if you're focused on gaining muscle, you might be gaining weight, even though you're losing like inches and losing uh, body fat because muscle takes up less space than muscle does on your body. So you can overall lose inches, but still gain weight on the scale. So wanted to say that. All right. That is the episode that I did about body recomposition. I kind of lumped in the five basic episode, five basics episode in there. Next, let's go to the final episode in this series, which is about the volume, the amount of exercise you need for muscle growth or hypertrophy. We talked about how body composition comes from gaining muscle, which is exercise and then losing fat, which is nutrition. Now let's talk about how much exercise you need. There's a lot of confusion about how many sets per week you should do for hypertrophy. So in this episode or in this piece of the episode, I'll discuss the current research and aggregate my experience to ultimately create recommendations and guidelines that will be effective, sustainable, and not wear you down. So let's begin by talking about the recommended volume for hypertrophy for muscle growth. There's been a lot of chatter around the recommendation to get 10 sets per week per muscle group for muscle growth, which is a lot of work. And I read the research, the meta-analysis around this, and it comes from, again, this meta-analysis that I'll link in the show notes. And a meta-analysis is considered one of the best types of research papers because they aggregate all of the best studies within one paper and form certain conclusions. So it's generally a pretty good type of paper to pull information from. So this meta-analysis looked at all the best studies that studied volume of work for hypertrophy or muscle growth. They were looking for how many quote unquote hard sets per week was quote unquote optimal to maximize hypertrophy. A hard set is a set that I was talking about earlier where you're getting close to that muscle muscle failure and using the appropriate amount of load. The authors found that higher volumes grew muscles faster than lower volumes. However, some studies indicated that more is not better. Something I talk about all the time, too much volume led to a possible decline in results and negative adaptations. The meta-analysis indicated that 10 plus, so more than 10, 10 or more sets per muscle group may be good for hypertrophy, but as little as four can induce gains. Fewer than four sets per muscle group can still induce gains, but progress may be a little bit slower. The study showed that even one hard set per muscle group can lead to small gains, especially for beginners. The authors also note that frequently training at high volumes, so that 10 plus sets per week per muscle group, is often associated with overtraining. Overtraining is one of the big things that we try to avoid with Evlo. It increases the chances of injury, of burnout, of hormonal issues, and more. And it's hard to sustain that amount of training. So overall, the recommendation for 10 plus sets per week per muscle group seem to be the recommendation for people who number one, have more time and are very serious about their training. So this recommendation may be for someone who is potentially training for a body building composition and has the time and resources to dedicate to, okay, my joints feel not great because I'm doing a lot of work or I'm spending three hours in the gym, or I am making sure that I am really honing in on my nutrition and eating a lot so that I can recover properly. So what does this mean for us practically? Is this practical for the modern woman who has a life outside of fitness and exercise? 
10 sets per week per muscle group is a lot. That's 10 hard sets for glutes, 10 hard sets for abs, 10 hard sets for shoulders, 10 hard sets for chest, 10 hard sets for triceps, etc. So in order to fit in that amount of volume, your workouts would have to be super long and you would likely have to work out for like six or seven days a week, even maybe doing two workouts a day. And this is not something I recommend for your overall health. And I think it'll eventually backfire because I think you'll eventually be overtrained. This also doesn't leave much time for recovery and it's, I don't, I just don't think that this is the best approach if you want to achieve body composition changes and sustain those body composition changes and not feel terrible all over. So I think that you can do a lot less and I'm going to give that recommendation here in a moment. The argument to save time is that you could do compound movements that hit multiple muscle groups at once. So you can get the volume without having to do a lot of exercises. I briefly touched on why compound movements aren't my preference. Let's talk about it from a different perspective. So theoretically doing compound movements to save time might be a great idea. It's recommended by a lot of strength training researchers and experts. I'm not saying it won't work or won't be effective, but here's my perspective. With any movement that's working a lot at once, one muscle group will fatigue faster than others because muscles have different strength profiles, different abilities to tolerate load. One muscle group is probably going to fail faster. So you won't get simultaneous failure or close to that failure point of two muscle groups at the same time. You'll have a muscle group that is generally the weakest link. So this means you may not be getting enough work for the muscle group that is much stronger and can tolerate a lot more load. For example, squats, squats are a popular compound exercise. If your lower back fatigues faster than your quads or glutes, you may get great hypertrophy to the lower back using squats, but maybe you're not getting enough work to the quads and glutes because the quads and glutes could go a lot longer, but your back is the limiting factor. And some people can kind of feel this as, which is why they'll do squats, but then they'll go do knee extensions for their quads and they'll go do hip thrusts for their glutes to get extra work. So their workouts end up being just as long as if they just separated them out to begin with. Whereas if they had just done the separate exercises and the more targeted exercises for quads, more targeted exercises for glutes, they could save the unnecessary unnecessary load to their lower back from squatting while still getting great load to their legs. Additionally, you may see better gains with less volume if the load to the muscle is more specific. So instead of doing 10 sets of squats, could you do five sets of step-ups for the glutes and five sets of sissy squats and see the same benefits? I think yes. I also think that it's a lot about personal preference and comfort. You're going to see the best results from a program that you enjoy, that doesn't hurt you, and that you can stay consistent with. For many people I work with, these more targeted exercises feel a lot better than compound movements. If you feel the opposite, I'm not discouraging you from doing compound movements. I don't think they're necessary for results. I, again, am partial to the more targeted exercises, but these are just things to kind of consider for yourself. So compound lifts may be a strategy, but it's not one that I prefer for those reasons. So back to this idea that you should do 10 sets per week per muscle group. Again, if you were doing targeted exercises, like we recommend in Evlo, that would take a really long time. And is that necessary? Here's where I have to take my research and apply my lens as a former physical therapist, working with people who have this type of volume in their routine to decide, is this practical for the modern woman? What are the side effects? Are people going to be able to stay consistent with this? Is it necessary to rush the process, especially if it leads to burnout? Here's my take. 
There seems to be good evidence that four sets per week per muscle group on average, sometimes a bit less, sometimes a bit more leads to really good gains. So let's start there because I think that most people who are busy, they have other life stressors. They're struggling with burnout pain. 10 sets per week may not be appropriate or necessary for them. For most of us, we can't just work out and then rest the remainder of the day. We have demanding jobs, or maybe your mom, or maybe you like to do recreational sports that are adding additional activity and stress on your body. So I think it's important to tease out what's optimal in a vacuum based on the research and what is practical and sustainable for you. So given that four sets per muscle group per week is a good starting place for muscle growth, Let's talk about adding this into your routine. If you're an Evla member, we do all the programming for you. So if you're following any of the tracks, the three, four, or five day per week track with or without cardio, you're getting enough stimulus for each muscle group for muscle growth. Now, these are all general numbers, not numbers written in stone. If you don't get four sets per week per muscle group, especially the smaller ones like shoulders and triceps, which are generally worked with other bigger muscle groups like chest and back, it is okay. As the study said, you can still progress even with just one hard set per week. The most important thing is that, again, that you're getting close to that failure point and that you're consistent. So no matter what your volume is, it will not be effective if you're not consistent and if you're not eating enough protein, full stop. So being really real with yourself about the dosage that you are able to stick to that fits in your lifestyle and that you can recover from is key. This meta-analysis points out that there's a wide variety of responses to the same volume. Some people may grow and see quick gains from just one hard set per week, and others, like me, respond better with a little bit more volume. So we just have to toe this line between finding enough volume that will be effective for our bodies without adding so much that we can't recover and we end up seeing negative side effects and just crash and burn. So can more volume lead to faster gains? Yes, but are faster gains better? Not necessarily. We have to think about the consequences of high volume training, like increased stress hormones, like cortisol, orthopedic issues and overuse issues, time constraints, mental burden, etc. So who this was a doozy. That is the episode on volume. We talked about a lot in this episode and I even left out some old episodes that I've done. And I think that I'm going to continue with this best of series because there's a lot that I'm digging into and resurfacing. And I've gotten really good responses from you all that you are really liking these. So we've got a couple more in the works keep listening. If you are enjoying the podcast, I would love a rating and review. It would mean so much to me. We do these for free. I do not take ads and I don't plan to take ads. So, um, we grow with your reviews and by you telling your friends. So thank you so much for sharing on social media, for leaving a review and make sure to grab the workshop in the link below. It's totally free. That's it for today. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.